0: Welcome to the St. Michael Fall podcast series. My name is Ken Brannan, and I will be leading our meditation today. Our theme this fall is discipleship. May you be blessed for the Christian journey. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. A reading from Luke chapter 5, beginning at the 27th verse. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Then they said to him, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. Jesus said to them, You cannot make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new wine but says, the old is good. Here ends the reading. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. I always laugh when I read the gospel accounts of Jesus calling the apostles. Jesus commands them to follow him, and just like that, they jump up and follow him, leaving behind tax papers, fishing nets, parents, and homes. There's never a question of timing. There's never a protest about livelihood. Only obedience. Jesus speaks, and the apostles respond. It makes for powerful storytelling. I suppose it's possible that it happened that way. That Jesus' voice was so compelling, his invitation so powerful— that it was impossible to resist. It's possible that his call raised no questions and no protests, but I doubt it. I believe there was a process of call that took time to cultivate. I believe there was a period of relationship building that made the apostles' wholehearted response entirely understandable. In Jewish circles, there's a method of biblical interpretation called midrash, While we normally focused on what is written in the Bible, Midrash focuses on what is not written. Midrash imagines what might have happened in the narrative gap. One interpreter calls this the holy fire between the recorded lines of Scripture. In this approach, the narrative silence is as important as the spoken word. But in order for this approach of interpretation to work, you have to feel safe, you have to be playful you can't worry about getting into theological trouble. If you're focused on getting things right, it won't work. But if you're focused on wondering what happened, you'll find a rich intuitive vein. When I was studying drama therapy in graduate school, I worked with Peter Pitsley, a seasoned practitioner of bibliodrama. His whole thing was helping groups enact stories from Hebrew scripture, encouraging them to take on roles that explored not only what might have happened in ancient times, but also explore how those stories are relevant for today. It was a powerful method, both theologically and therapeutically. The biblical story provided the frame. The people's imagination provided the context. So when I read today's story about Matthew, also known as Levi, jumping up and following Jesus, this is where my imagination goes. Here is the fire between the lines for me. Tax collectors were the most despised people in ancient Israel. They were Jews who worked for the Roman Empire, collecting onerous dues imposed on defeated peoples. As payment, they were permitted to keep a share of the collection for themselves, and in this way could become quite rich. I imagine that Jesus set his sights on Matthew long before Matthew saw him. Jesus noticed that Matthew didn't keep as much of the money as he could have, had cut the elderly widows a break. Jesus noticed that Matthew was polite with his Roman supervisors, but also stood up to them when necessary. Jesus watched Matthew with his family and saw someone who was devoted and kind. This, Jesus thought, is exactly the kind of person I need on my team. So Jesus befriended Matthew in the marketplace and invited him to lunch. Jesus chided Matthew about his distasteful job and reminded him that he was a person of worth. Jesus put in a good word for Matthew in the community councils, and Matthew could always be seen standing in the back of the crowd when Jesus taught and healed the people. Finally, it was time for Matthew to take the next step. Jesus had inaugurated a new kind of kingdom, and he knew that Matthew had the intellect, strength, and courage to add value to the movement. Jesus knew Matthew's heart better than Matthew knew himself. So when Jesus finally invited Matthew to follow him, Matthew was flooded with hope and gratitude. Here is someone who knows me, Matthew thought. Here is someone whose vision I trust. The story goes on from there, and you can imagine what might have happened next. In my version of this story, Matthew's decision to follow Jesus has context. His decision to follow Jesus is no less powerful But it doesn't just come from out of the blue. Jesus isn't some robotic superhero commanding people to respond to him in faith. Jesus is a friend and a mentor who helps Matthew discover aspects of himself that he didn't even know existed. Why does any of this matter? Why engage in Midrash? Because scripture needs to relate to our lives. The call of Jesus needs to resonate with the world we live in discipleship is hard it's costly there are dragons we have to slay on the way to heaven if scripture makes all of this sound too easy too magical we'll assume that discipleship was only possible in jesus's time it will be relegated to a time long ago and far away nothing like that could possibly happen today but discipleship does happen today jesus is still befriending us in our prayers and in our friendships and teaching us in our Bible studies. The Holy Spirit is still guiding us into truth. God sees us long before we can see ourselves. When Jesus says, follow me, it's not a command from out of the blue. It's an invitation to take the next natural step. It's about choosing love over fear and acknowledging the spiritual power that lies deep within our bones. The call of Jesus is powerful But it's not unexpected when matthew got up and followed jesus it was the most natural thing in the world please join me now as we continue with the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.